ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Uh, Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got any questions for today's episode, any ideas for us to discuss in future episodes, we just had a recent episode where we we spent some time talking about a topic that a listener sent in. So feel free to let us know if you've got any topics for future episodes. The best way to do that is by email or Twitter. Email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet to us at sfdiocese. Use the hashtag ignition. Again, sfdiocese, hashtag ignition. Uh, Father, we are what? Coming up to, we're midway through the second week of Lent. How's your Lent going? Lentastic. Lentastic, yeah. We. Um, I was talking with somebody just earlier today about the importance of persevering in uh, Lenten resolutions, even if, as in my case, some of them uh, I haven't been um, as diligent as I'd like. Um, my, ten- my my temptation in years past has been just to quit and throw in the towel with at least that resolution, but that's not the right approach. I need to, to no. get up and go. Well, and isn't the whole point of Lent to lead us towards the Paschal Mystery of Easter? Exactly. And isn't the heart of the Paschal Mystery of Easter in the entire gospel is that we can't save ourselves? That's what I heard. And so, you know, if you pick a Lenten penance that challenges you and like stretches you and you fail often or quite often, well, just keep going. Yep. Because that's kind of the point. <laughs> Turn to Jesus. The, and the other thing too, Father, I, I know this, that the, um, it, it's, it's so far so good in the sense, in terms of a Lent, because the Lord is, um, Showing things to me and and uh, doing a bit of uh, cleaning, some purification in ways that mm-hmm. I hadn't expected would happen, which is also a Ooh. good thing. Involuntary penance is what yes, you're saying. Involuntary penance. <laughs> I always so. think involuntary penance is better than voluntary penance. Yes. Yes. Yep. So praise God for the season of Lent. Thank you, Mother Church. Amen. Amen. So, Father, I'm going to hand this. Uh, there was a we, what Father and I often do is is we try uh, quite quite some time, several days at least, in it, to to come up with the topic. And and there's something that that I think resonated with Father for today's episode um, pretty deeply. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Father, <laughs> to run the show today. Uh, well, thank you very much. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm happy to be here. You're going to introduce. I didn't. I didn't know you were going to introduce the uh, uh, topic at all. It was all going to be totally me in this way. I'm um, feeling unprepared <laughs> in this regard. But so you're just going to sit back and like sip some tea or something like that, some Lenten approved beverage, and uh, just nod every once in a while, uh, or or give the uh huh, which I suppose is the radio version of the nod. Very interesting. That's, that's very interesting, Father. Very interesting. Yes, it's the radio version of the nod right there. Because <laughs> they can't see you nodding on the radio or on a podcast. So Correct. Uh, I sometimes do find myself nodding. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a moment, it's radio. <laughs> I must say something into Neither the Neither Chris microphone. nor the audience can see me right now. <laughs> exactly. And so... Wow, it sounds like he's nodding. Uh, he's, he's nodding enthusiastically. Mm. 
So, <laughs> well, I, uh, well, so on the radio, what you do with your voice matters. That's true. Very true. Because the radio is a, a medium of the voice, so you have to you have to use your voice. You can't just nod in the background. You have to say things like "That's true. That's true." Yes. And so, <laughs> oh my gosh! But uh, so, well, what kind of caught my imagination, uh, Herr Doctor, is uh, the notion that what we do in our bodies matters, right? Yeah, and, and we've been talking about that. We have one of our series is theological anthropology, and we're mm. we're ensouled beings. Our bodies are part of who we are. They're important. Yep. And so this is a place where then that meets uh, Lent and what we do in church. So again, Lent is a time when we think, we reexamine, we consider what we're doing uh, during this uh, during this season. Uh, why do we pray? Why do we give alms? Why do we fast from things? We should be examining those questions. And a good question, a good thing to look at is, why do we do the things we do in church? Right, right. Because one of the obvious differences, Dr. Bergwald, between like being a Catholic Christian and another sort of Christian is that is Catholic Christian behavior in the church. Yeah, and it's very noticeable, both if you're Catholic and you go to to another service, and for other Christians who attend a, a Catholic Mass, um, it's very noticeable, the difference. Yeah, and um, like when um, someone was telling me this recently, I don't remember who it was, but uh, that they brought a non-Catholic friend, I think it was, to Mass, and they cried. Really? Because they just... Not out of joy or anything like oh. that, but just they felt so frustrated because they didn't oh, know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we do all these things. Uh, you know, the, the Catholic calisthenics. Yep. <laughs> and so. One of my high school teachers, uh, my, one of my high school teachers was uh, um, w- was a Lutheran, but small town. So for funerals and things, it was pretty common to to go to other churches for, for various purposes, um, weddings, funerals, and so on. And he, he, come at, he was a football coach, and he commented, this is like, you know, you know up, up downs, and, you know, you're, you know yeah. it's like football practice. Burpees. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we want to just maybe talk a little bit about what we do in church and go to the why of what we do in church, I think, most of all. Yeah. And because the one thing that we have different, what's the, can I, Dr. Bergwell, can I ask you a question that I didn't prepare you for ahead Please. of time? Please. I do this to you okay. all the time. It's only fair. <laughs> so what is it uh, about our Catholic churches that makes it totally different from a non-Catholic church? Um, what are the things? You can make multiple things. You don't have to think about find just the thing. But what are things that make a Catholic church different from other Christian churches? The uh, and I am actually going to exclude the Orthodox from my answer because it might apply to them. But 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 for most true, of us, true. I think what we would uh, the, we believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. That's probably one of the biggest things. The whole communion thing. People yep. can re- because we receive it's we believe it's really Jesus. Um, one of the big things you know with that dif- we differ from with our Protestant brothers and sisters is what we believe about not only the real presence of the Eucharist, but that you as a priest and not just a pastor, you are a pastor, but as a priest, you are offering a sacrifice, but not right. repeating the sacrifice of Christ, but offering his one sacrifice, um, representing it, I think is how the catechism puts it, on the altar right. anew. Right, right. I mean, you know, because like some Protestant churches, uh, some non-Catholic churches might have uh, stained glass, Oh sure. Um, Sorry. Some yep. of them might even have statues. Some Episcopalian churches might have uh, statues of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yep. 
Right. But and a lot, and a lot of them do have sort. Many of them do have a liturgical order. You know, the Gloria, the yep. Creed. Um, you know, the Our Father, the Communion, even. Uh, so there is oftentimes a liturgical structure to many of them. But I think the real difference when you get down to it is that real presence of Christ, and not just in the Mass, right? Um, but after the Mass. Yes. You know, that we uh, we don't honor Jesus just during the service itself, if you want to use that non-Catholic term, but we honor Jesus 24-7, 365. Yep. Right. Or 366 in a leap year. <laughs> Three, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so, uh, all of a sudden I'm really distracted by leap years and I want to ask questions about leap years. Oh, but boy. I don't have the answer to these questions, but I'm really distracted by them. <laughs> but, uh, sorry. So we have the real presence of Christ, okay? And again, that it, that it endures and that it, uh, and going back to the priestly sacrificial aspect of the real presence. So the real presence comes from Jesus himself and comes from the priest uh, making that action uh, at the Mass. And so the priest, by his prayers, if, uh, Dr. Burgle, would you be able to like just say, like, what the priest by his prayers does. You talked about representing yeah. uh, Christ. And so what, what all is he representing? Yeah. So this is one of the things that just, that I, well, I continues to really fascinate me. It frankly enthralled me um, about, enthralled. about our faith. Yes. I, I am enthralled by this because of its deep, deep roots in scripture. Uh, so when, when father celebrates mass um, and, 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 and says the Eucharist, prays the Eucharistic prayer in particular as part of the, the entire mass, um, what happened, not just what we believe, but what happens is Jesus Christ and his paschal mystery become pre- present again on the altar. Not repeated, but present again. So what is the paschal mystery? Well, it's his passion, his suffering, his death, which really began going back to the Last Supper. Um, Holy Thursday, we celebrate the Last Supper, the institution of the Eucharist and the New Testament priesthood. So go- Last Supper, everything he endured that night uh, with his arrest, the scourging, crowning with thorns and so on, carrying of the cross, his death on Good Friday, but then also his entombment and then his resurrection Easter Sunday. So all of that, that entire Paschal mystery is represented. And this really, just real quickly, because I know, Father, I'm sure that um, this is something that you, uh, as, as a man of Scripture, um, also mm-hmm. also appreciate. But that that reflects the ancient Jewish belief that whenever they celebrate the Passover, the, the Exodus is represented in their midst, and they are participating in that. So too for us with the the new covenant, when Mass is said, we are present at these saving events: the 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 Last Supper, um, the Passion, the Death, the Resurrection. These saving events, which happened once in history, are represented so that we are truly at the Last Supper. We are at the foot of the cross. We are at the the tomb on on that first Sunday morning. Uh, that's what's going. Even when we won't see it. That's what's going on in a real and true way. And that again, that's just me fascinating. It is, and to, to keep driving our con uh, our conversation forward, then uh, in this ignition, then the question is: if that's again, it's hard to even. I mean, it quasi boggles the mind. Yeah, actually, doesn't just quasi; it actually boggles the mind. Um, <laughs> to think about that as really happening. But if that is the case, how should I act? Right. That's a great question. Yeah. How do we, yeah. how do we, 
like in our bodies? How do we respond to this truth? How do we how do we reflect this truth in how we how we act? Like you said, how do we find ways to to live this out? Uh, not just giving a mental uh, assent to it, not just giving a mental acknowledgement to it, but making it a real part of our lives. And and you know we make things part of our lives through the actions of our body. That's that's how we make things exactly. real. Exactly. Yes. You know, uh, show me, don't tell me. Yep. Yep. Right. So this is what we want to talk about. This is the this meat of this is you know that what we do in church should reflect that reality that. The one sacrifice of Calvary, the Last Supper, the resurrection, the whole passion, uh, death and resurrection of Jesus is present. How should we act? And just even asking that question uh, becomes what we call uh, an investigation into piety. Right. So what, what, Just even considered to ask that question, to, to seriously think about that question, allows us to enter into the realm of piety. Yeah, because I think that's a word that a lot of us might have a sense of what it is, but we won't be able to define it necessarily. Right. Now, and uh, just to make sure our producer understands as he's listening, this is piety, not pie-eating. <laughs> he doesn't I'm pay any attention. That, that, our, that our dear oh. producer might be worried about this. <laughs> so piety, or to be pious, you know, is the question about how we should react in regards to uh, the things of God. Yeah. Right. How we should, that we should carry ourselves different uh, around the things of God. That uh, it's it's right to have a Bible be bound in leather, you know, to to have more costly materials be put into sacred things, things that relate to God, um, to treat it more carefully, more reverently, uh, in various ways. And so, uh, I think in our in our modern American age, we're so utilitarian. Yep. Right? We're so practical. We're almost infected with the cult of the practical. That um, it makes us uh, struggle to understand how uh, how to be pious. Yeah, yeah. I think about that too. Like you said, the things of God. Like on this, I guess this will apply to our topic. But you know, you, you used to. It, it doesn't mean as much as it used to. But you talk about you know dress wearing your Sunday best. Yep. Yep. That meant something. It's some we still understand what it means, even though we don't necessarily do that as well anymore. No, and I think some people get caught up that oh, I you know I don't want to uh, impose on people that can't afford good clothes or things like that. Well, no, this isn't about other people. This is about you honoring God, right? Right. And honoring God with the best you have. And and if you're judging what other people are wearing, or if you think other people are judging what you're wearing, you're doing the wrong thing, right? And so, yeah, so it does tie in with that. So this whole idea of piety, des- desiring to honor God. Now, um, when we consider, you know, the nature of what's going on, you know, it's hard for me to imagine, Dr. Berg, well, it's something more solemn in all human history than the Paschal Mystery. Right. Right. Uh, Anything more important, more beyond our human experience? not really. (laughs) Yeah. Now, so the way we go about Mass and carrying ourselves in a church should be solemn. Okay. Um, what do you think about that word solemn? Yeah, so I think for uh, for a lot of us, so- solemn connotes with sadness. Mm, you know, yeah. so to be solemn means to be a little, not 
a little, well, a little bit dour faced, you know, like a little, like, this is a very serious business, which is true. Um, it is very serious business, but, but with that comes, I, I think the emotional connection that people would have with, with the, the word solemnity or t- solemn is, is probably a bit more towards being s- sad somehow. Right. But I don't think solemn has to be sad. Yep. You know, solemn is just, I think, recognizing that there is something important uh, going on. You know, uh, a wedding is a solemn occasion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you think about when you're at a wedding and how quiet the church gets as everyone listens to uh, husband and wife making vows to each other. Right, right. Um, You can think of... Um, an inauguration of a uh, political leader. It's a solemn event. Yep. Yep. You know, uh, it's it's attended to with pomp and circumstance. But neither of those things are obviously, just to, to be explicit here, neither of them are sad things, except for the loser of the election. But anyway. Right. <laughs> um, and sometimes it feels like we're all losers in every election. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but... Um, Right. So that solemn isn't sad. Solemn just, you know, recognizes that something serious is happening here. It's happening here. And it's okay to be serious. Exactly. Yes. Right. Um, and serious doesn't mean you can't have joy. It doesn't mean you can't have fun. And this kind of gets, I think, you know, there's a tendency to um, commercialize the experience of the mass, uh, to make it uh, run on surface emotions. Right. Right. Because the United States were very much about the surface emotions. We're manipulated and manipulating surface emotions all the time. You know, um, jingles in radio commercials or uh, television commercials. It's designed to capture the ear and the imagination in some way. Um, But what we're talking about in the mass should be something deeper than just frivolous surface things. Right, right. So how would... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just wondering, how would you understand like, the difference between, or even just like, if, if, if it's not like silly or surface or commercial, what's like a better word uh, to describe, you know, what it is maybe we're looking for in this way with the mass? Yeah, I think um, the distinction between frivolous, you can be frivolous, but but we're talking here about being joyful. And I think sometimes mm. people would, would connote the two things and, and make them equal to one another, but they're really two very distinct things. That's a great point. I think, yeah, there, there's, can you talk more a little bit? Do you have like, um, about the meaning of joy? I know I've read some things from your hero, Cardinal Ratzinger. Yeah. So, I, joy. so talking, you know, the deeper emotions, um, and emotions, I, I think eventually breaks down is not quite the right word. Um, because authentic joy, the fullness of joy is more than just an emotion. It's something that comes out of the human heart, you know, and we're not talking about there, obviously, we're certainly not talking about the, the physical organ, the heart, but we're not even talking about the heart in the sense of um, emotions, in the sense of- I'm nodding, I'm fr- nodding. Frivolity and sadness and so on. This is something deeper, like the very center of the human being, if you will, it, more than the intellect, more than the will, um, it goes to the heart of who I am. I you know, right. uh, it's, 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 it's the center of the human person. That's, that's the term in scripture. That's, that, that, that's what we use. Mm. Sorry. Heart is the word that we use to describe that center of the human person from which we act, um, in the most, the, 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 the deepest way, if you will. And that's, mm. so to be joyful 
um, f- in the heart is not necessarily to be frivolous in the sense of you know big silly smile and, and gregarious and, exactly yes yeah demonstrative yeah yeah right right out outgoing even right um I, I think about when I hear the word joy I'm always I always think back to a thing from Cardinal Ratzinger where he talked about uh, uh, when he was a theologian he talked about Christian joy as being the realization that someone else thinks that it's good you exist. Yeah. Yep. You know, and that's not just uh, a thrill up your spine. Uh, That's something deeper. You know, and in some ways you almost don't even feel that sort of joy when someone says it's good that you exist. And when you look at the cross and you realize (sighs) Jesus says, I would even die so that you exist. Right, right. So, and I think, um, I, I, you know, you, you talk about that deep decision. Uh, I like to think about that in terms of like uh, our our football players here at SDSU um, in the sense of, you know, if you go to a football game, especially like a big college football game these days, it's a feast for the senses. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know, there's colors, there's cheers, there's yells, there's music, you know. Um, there's just this, this, this visceral experience of being part of the crowd. And I started thinking about, you know, the player's experience of that, right? Um, and so they come out of the tunnel and they've got the, the, the fire extinguishers for the smoke and things like that as they, as they run out in the field and everyone's yelling and they're playing the school song and they're headbutting each other with helmets or without. <laughs> um, but then they get out on the field, right? And all of a sudden they meet someone who's opposed to them, someone who wants to stop what they want to do. And they have to have a deeper emotion, a deeper thing that maybe flows from, you know, love for each other, love for the coaches, commitment to what they want to do, you know, more than just uh, the latest um, One Direction song pumping over the loudspeakers. Right? Right. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. So, yeah, I like your idea about that from the uh, flowing from that place of deep decision, which is very different from the commercialization of AmeriCorps that t- or an attempt to commercialize the mass. Right. Yep. To give it mass appeal. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but maybe overall, like another good idea is to allow emotional freedom for all participants in the mass. Because the mass is Calvary, it is the resurrection, it's, it's the whole of the Paschal mystery. You might be at different points in the Paschal mystery when you're at Mass, Dr. Bergwald. Yeah, in, in my own life, I might be in a place of deep sorrow or deep joy. Um, and if the Mass were were deliberately focused in one way, it might be hard for me to enter in if I if I weren't in that emotional place. Right. Uh, and you don't know who, what place the person next to you is in. Exactly. You know, what's that phrase people put around on Twitter and the internet these days? Um you know, you never know what uh, trials the person next to you is going through right now. Yep. Yeah. So, um, and, and and with that too, um, just kind of one final thought on, in a general sense in this way would be, um, you know, there's certain times of year, Christmas, Easter, where, you know, we have maybe a more uh, 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 rejoicing theme, right? But there's still that little touch of the passion in there. Right. Right. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. So, well, all right. In our, in our last few minutes here, would it be okay if we just talk a bit about some gestures in this way? Yeah. So how do we do all this, right? I mean, if this is, what we've just been talking about is, in, is the reality of what's going on in Mass and, 
and and how how we should respond to that. We should talk about how we should respond, and how to teach yourself in that way. Yeah, and that's the great thing about being Catholic is that what you do, going back to the beginning, what you do in the body matters. Yep, yep. And so your your gestures, your actions, the furnishings of the church help to form this awareness in your heart if you let it and if you're attentive to it. Right. So it's 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 both doing this for my own sake as well as maybe in my case, you know, five young children teaching right. them what to do so that they begin to be formed themselves. Exactly. So even just a simple art of genuflection. Yep. You know, and if we're in good health to make our genuflections be good genuflections. Yep. You know, a real bending of the knee, um, a, re- a real pause before the Lord. I am disarmed before you. You are God and I am not. Uh, I think another good thing that maybe sometimes is overlooked is the fast before Mass. Right. You know, um, oh, I got to remember to fast before Mass. Well, no, that's a way to start preparing your inner room, so to speak. Now, yep. your stomach and your heart are not connected, are they? <laughs> well, eventually, yeah, but yes. No. Oh, okay. Well, I suppose like through the like, bloodstream and yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but they're not like there's not like a one way street. Not no, not direct path. Okay. Nope. Okay, but um, so to fast before mass to prepare yourself. Okay, I'm going to do the psalm thing. Even that, as you talked about apparel, uh, uh, um, uh, the way you dress, the Sunday, Sunday best. best. Yep. Yep. Uh, the way that you receive the Eucharist to receive it with devotion. Right. Right, so uh, uh, if you receive on the tongue, to make sure you do it carefully and not sloppily, uh, making sure there's a clear landing spot. Uh, if you receive on the hands, to do so carefully. Um, when you process forward, uh, how often do you shake? Uh, uh, do you give shout outs to people as you're walking forward at the bird wall? <laughs> hey, nice to see you. Hey, good. Dick. Hey, yeah, you know, hopefully we're not. Hopefully we're not socializing in the communion. Line. High fives all the way up the aisle, Father. Yeah. What would you do to your son in that situation? Oh, high five him back of the head. <laughs> well, gently, of course, but firm. of course. Um, so those are things we can do, and then paying attention to, like the way our churches are built, and encouraging our churches, like with uh, a tabernacle. I'm always looking for the tabernacle in a church. Yep. Um, reverence, reverencing the altar, and and the prominence of the altar in that way. Yep. Um, so I, you know. I, Thanks for uh, uh, walking with me in this way, but I think you know, it's it is just neat and important uh, to think about how we can emphasize the real presence. This thing that makes us so unique as Catholics, how to emphasize it uh, and 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 live it out in a better way. Yeah. And Any I, final thoughts from you? Well, just that what you were just saying, living it out in a better way. It's so easy for us because of the richness of our doctrine and so on to to to. Focus on that to the neglect of actually living it out in our bodies. So I just, you know, it's this. The topic wasn't just about the truth of the real presence. It was also about, therefore, what do we do differently? Which I think is just beautiful. Yeah, and 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 embracing that, embracing the fact that it's embracing our differences. I mean, I don't mean to say it that way, but. Amen. I know I, I got you, Father. Amen. So that wraps up, wraps up this episode of Ignition. Again, if you can have any ideas for future episodes or question about this topic, email us ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet to us sfdiocese hashtag ignition. Until next time, dear listeners, my mighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. 
Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.